1: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And
2: now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We do this show every weekend. On the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN, once again, Alan Dempsey. He does our engineering, does it well. Andrew Herdliska produces this show each weekend. And here uh, in the first segment, uh, O.S. Hawkins is with us, a president of Guidestone Financial Resources. His new book is out. It's called VIP... How to Influence with Vision, Integrity, and Purpose. Mr. Hawkins, great to talk to you. How you doing?
3: Hey, Pat, I'm doing great, and it's good to be down there in Florida with you folks. I spent 15 great years as pastor down at First Baptist Fort Lauderdale, so I love those Floridians.
2: Well, good for you. What do you remember about your time in Fort Lauderdale?
3: Just a, nothing but a bunch of good times.
2: Tell me about, and, uh, you know, I've always wanted to uh, ask you about your... OS initials. How did that come about?
3: Well, you know, when your name's Omar Sharif, you've got to do something. Uh, uh, told you. uh, 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 actually, uh, your, your listeners under 45 probably never heard of Omar Sharif, but actually, those are family names, Otis and Swafford. And so when you're a kid growing up in East Fort Worth, you've got to do something. So I went by initials. Have done it ever since.
2: <clears throat> Tell me about your new book. Why did you write it?
3: Well, you know, Pat. uh, You know, we—I woke up to the fact that we seem to just live our lives by acronyms. You know, you meant you said I was a CEO here at GuideStone, which I am. I have a COO here with a an MBA. I have a CIO with a, a, a CFP. I've got a CFO with a CPA. If we go to school to earn a BA. We have to score well on a GPA and SAT. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're protected by the war on terror by the CIA and FBI. And just recently, the IRS came knocking on all our doors. I've been cancer-free because of a PSA test. And uh, every year I get a physical with an EKG. I use the ESV because I think the NIV is a little eclectic. We're in a wellness program here at Guidestones, so we don't go to KFC. It's okay to eat a BLT every once in a while. The point (laughs) is, all we do is Live by acronyms, and so uh, I, I don't think there's a, a, an acronym that has muscled and maneuvered its way into our English vernacular more than that one VIP, very important person. You know, being important seems to be the life goal of so many people today. So what I'm trying to do in this little book is is to change that acronym to what it really ought to mean—a very influential person, because uh, folks have a way of forgetting those who are perceived to be important, but we have a long memory when it comes to those who've really influenced our lives.
2: How do you start the book? Well, actually, you started, let me tell you how you started, uh, with the word vision. Uh, that stands for V. Tell me about what you write about vision? Why is that important?
3: Well, uh, it, you know, because it's one of the it's one of the the V and the I and the P. There are three three of these very fact, important factors that go into. a person of influence. And before we even get into that, we ought to just think for a moment etymologically about what that word influence means. It's a beautiful word because it comes from two words in Latin, in and flow. And the word pictures of this mighty river that's flowing with uh, with uh, crystal clear and it's deep and it's flowing with such a current that it's able to circumvent any obstacles in its way. And into this into this mighty river flow these little tributaries and creeks and and streams that flow into it and are carried away in its flow, and that hence the word inflow, influence. And so we're to live our lives we in such a fashion that, that when people come into contact with us, people of influence are those who have people get, get caught up in their flow. So in order to be a person of influence, what what we've said here in this book is that it takes three things, vision, people follow people who know where they're going, it takes integrity. Uh, people are influenced by people who know who they are. And it takes purpose. People, uh, I believe, are influenced by people who know why they're here. So uh, vision, of course, is that first step. I, think, I don't think anyone follows anybody uh, unless that person knows where they're going and how they're going to get there.
2: Um, vision is a key piece of leadership. Do you agree?
3: I totally agree Pat, and I believe uh <clears throat> I believe the birth of a vision in someone's life you know we tell people all the time you ought to have vision, the Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish uh if a vision's such a vital part of life a a, a coach has a vision has a game plan before the Game ever begins. Uh, a military commander has a battle plan. Uh, an artist, before he puts the first, he or she puts the first stroke on a canvas, has a vision of what it ought to be. We ought to have a vision of our life, not who we are right now, but what we could become. The first time our Lord ever saw Simon Peter, He said, "You're a little pebble, but you're going to be a great rock." He saw the potential. The vi- and Peter never got away from that vision of seeing what he could become. So the way we describe it in the book, Pat, is that uh, the birth of a vision is like the birth of a baby it uh that begins with the conception when the seed of a man and the egg of a woman come together and conception takes place. It that's the way it is of the vision, when when God gives a man a vision or a woman a vision of not who they are, what they could become and it's conceived in them uh, by the Holy Spirit. And then comes the stage of gestation. Uh, when that woman who's bearing a child, you can't see it for a while, but after a few months, people see something's growing in her, and that's the way it is with a vision. When God gives us a vision, we, we, we ought to gestate it. We ought to meditate on it and plan about it and pray about it and think about it and dream about it and let it grow in us. Too many too many people go out and get a vision, and they birth it, and it's still born and dies because they didn't gestate it enough. And then comes the third stage, growth, and that's when it's out, and you let the world know what your the baby's here or the Vision is born, and then comes the next stage, and this is one of the most beautiful words in the English language. It's it's adoption. Mm. That's when a man or a woman who've never really uh, birthed, a, conceived, much less gestated or birthed a child, adopt a child, and that child takes their name, and by all legal rights is theirs. And that's the that's the secret of influence when other people. Adopt the vision God has given you as their their very own. It's the secret in a church. It's the secret in a business. It's the secret on an athletic team. Adoption. Then comes the stage of growth. And, you know, when you're growing a kid, We've raised two children in our home, and it takes a lot of energy and effort and money and time and all that stuff when they're growing. They grow out of shoes. They grow out of clothes. You sit at endless ball games, and mm, it mm, takes mm. your energy and your effort and your time, and so it is when you're growing a vision. If a vision is God-sized, It's it grows. It's going to take all of those things. And then comes maturity. When that vision is complete, I walk my daughters down the aisle, put up their hand in the hand of the boy that won their heart, and everything we dreamed about, planned about, it came to maturity and that that's the way it happens in a vision and that's a dangerous stage when a vision reaches maturity uh and people never gain or dream again we all know churches we all know businesses we all know uh, people who who ob- obtained all their vision but they quit dreaming they quit visioning and and so reproduction is the last stage when that vision reproduces itself into other visions so vision is vital in uh in in and, go, and, you know, Pat, a vision will do some things. It'll, it'll bring definition. It'll define your task. It'll bring a direction. You never have to worry which way to turn when you get to the intersection if you have a vision. It brings a new dynamic to what you're doing, and it brings a, it ought to be so God-sized it brings a new dependence upon him.
2: O.S. Hawkins is our guest. He uh, is an author of many books. His latest is called VIP, Very Influential Person, How to Influence with Vision Integrity. And purpose uh, before the break. Os, I want you to uh, describe for us uh, GuideStone Financial Resources. Well, what's that Thank about? You. What's it about?
3: Thank you, Pat. We we're an evangel. We're the largest evangelical uh, financial institution anywhere. We're the largest Christian-based screened mutual fund in the world with almost fourteen billion dollars. We serve dozens of thousands of churches, hundreds of universe, Christian universities and seminaries, mission organizations all over the world, 250,000 individual participants with all of their benefit services needs. And uh, the heart of Guidestone, we've been around almost 100 years, the heart of Guidestone is mission dignity. And I might just say, Pat, that all the royalties to VIP and all my books, every single dime of the royalties and proceeds go to support mission dignity. We're on a mission here to bring dignity to some forgotten people, and that is retired pastors, and 60 percent of the people in our program, they're widows, average age 85. They pastored out in the crossroads somewhere, never made much money, much less being able to provide for retirement in their declining years, and many of them lived in a church-owned home they had to get out of, and so they're living at the poverty level, and 10 years ago, we were able to raise enough money. We provided them $50 extra a month, and now the neediest among them get $630 a month.
2: O.S. Hawkins, our guest. More with him right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94.9 FM and AM nine fifty WTLN.
4: Hi, this is Trish Bain with the Hope and Inspiration
1: Call each and every Sunday night right here on WTLN. I've been inspired for 18 years with some amazing stories that I would now like to share with you each and every Sunday night. I've been educating people from around the world for the past 18 years on the Iridoid rich Noni, the original one. I invite you to join us right here at 830, and I want to thank you in advance. See you then.
0: Don't miss Trish Bain and Friends with Hope and Inspiration Sunday nights at 830 right here on the new 90. 4.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
5: not too late your circumstances may qualify you for this special program protecting your savings and your assets if you owe the irs or state back taxes and cannot afford to pay them back there's no need to worry anymore call the hotline at victory tax solutions to see if you qualify and potentially save thousands for this free information call 800-417-9269 800-417-9269 that's 800-417-9269
1: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: O.S. Hawkins is the author of a new book with uh, Thomas Nelson, VIP, very influential person. Uh, We've talked about the V for vision. Uh, What does the I stand for, O.S.?
3: Well, you know, people that influence others are not just characterized by vision. They know where they're going. They're characterized by integrity. That is, they know who they are. You know, a lot of people would say that the most important thing in influencing others may be intelligence, you know, because that knowledge is power. Just know more than others, and you'll be able to influence them. But, you know, Pat, I've known a... A lot of folks that uh, in the Christian life that had a lot of intellect, but along the way had little integrity, and they're not even in the race anymore. Someone else says that I maybe should stand for intensity or passion and the ability to cast a vision and, and move and sway people with motivational processes. But, you know, also I've known people with a lot of intensity that ended up having no integrity, and they're not influencing many anymore. So I believe integrity is a single characteristic of a person of influence, one who lives uh, their life in such a way that they, they know who they are.
2: What is your definition of integrity? It's an oft-used word, OS. I well, still you know, think it's kind of confusing to people.
3: It, well, the way I describe it, Pat, is that we, you live, we all live in four different worlds. We have a private world where no one goes but us. Our wives, our husbands don't know all of our private thoughts. Uh, No one lives in our private world except us and God, who the Bible says knows our anxious thoughts and searches our hearts. Then we live in a personal world, <clears throat> the close interdynamic personal relationships with husbands, wives, kids, and if we're fortunate in life, maybe two or three people outside our immediate family that really live in our personal world and know us like we really are. And then there's that professional world where we touch dozens, some of us score, some hundreds of people in the professional setting. And then there's one final world in which we live, it's that public world where somebody who may not know us privately or personally, much less even professionally, here's our name and has an opinion about us one way or another. We call it a public persona. So where is integrity rooted? You know, some people think it's rooted in the public world, so they spend all their time spinning their self-image and trying to get people to see them, but it's not rooted in the public world. It's only revealed there, and ultimately, whether we have it or not, will be revealed there. Uh, So somebody else says, well, it must be in the professional world where on the anvil of personal experience we beat out those principles of integrity, but it's not. It's only reinforced there, if we really have it. It's not even rooted in the personal world of those interclose dynamic relationships. It's reflected there. Integrity is rooted in that private world alone with God. And when it is, it'll be... It'll be uh, reflected in my personal world. It'll be reinforced in my professional dealings, and ultimately, for God's glory, it'll be revealed. I'm, I'm, I'm here in Dallas, Pat, as we're talking. I'm looking out at several new beautiful skyscrapers going up here in downtown Dallas, and a contractor will look at a building over there, and he'll say, you know, that building has structural integrity. Mm-hmm. And what he means by that is it has a hidden life. All those 30, 40 stories of glass building that's going up, they stand there because of a hidden life a, a, a foundation with tons of concrete that's built deep into the earth that no one ever sees and because of that it has structural integrity and that's the way our lives are those those lives of integrity are lives that have a hidden life alone with god that rooted there in that secret place
2: and by the way dallas texas and suburbs never stops growing does it
3: no, it's, uh, it's, it's about like I lived in South Florida for 15 years. It just just keeps up eating every piece of property you can find anywhere.
2: And I would also add uh, wonderful churches and outstanding preachers all over Dallas. Do you agree with me?
3: I totally agree. You know, when I left Fort Lauderdale, I came, Pat, to be pastor of First Baptist Church here in Dallas, where I served for uh-huh. several years. And my best friend in life, Jack Graham's, up at Prestonwood, and mm-hmm. just got a lot of friends in ministry here in Dallas.
2: O.S. Hawkins is our guest. We're talking about VIP, very influential person. Now, O.S., we've come to the P of VIP, and I want you to teach us about that.
3: Well, you know, that P is for purpose. You know, people who influence others, Pat, are people who know why they're here. They're driven by that. Inner purpose in life, because somewhere there's something for them to do that no one can do like they can do. You know, there's an amazing verse of scripture over in Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen, where Paul said, "We will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard—listen to this—to the area of influence God has assigned to us." And then he goes on to say that our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. The Bible says, Pat, that God has assigned an area of influence to each one of us. That is an amazing thought, that somewhere there's something that you can do, somewhere there's someone you can influence like no one else, influence. And when those Corinthians heard him say this, that there's one Greek word that translates that phrase area of influence, and uh, we get our word canon in English from it, like the canon of Scripture. It's a boundary. They would have re- immediately understood, as knowing those Grecian games, that the word picture is of, say, a 200-meter race, and you're lined up, and there's a lane in which you have to run. You get in the starting blocks in that lane, and you don't get out of that lane. You, that lane is a sign to you, and you must run that race in that lane. And God God has assigned an area of influence to each of us in which we're to run that race. It's an amazing thought. It just frees us up in ministry. That it doesn't matter where we are or who we do what, what we do, and business and ministry or anywhere. There's an area of influence God has assigned to us. There's a purpose in our life. No one has a DNA like you do. No one has a thumbprint like you do because you're indescribably valuable to God, and He has a purpose for your life, and people who influence others are moved and motivated, driven, and directed by that, by that inner purpose.
2: O.S. Hawkins is our guest. Where does Billy Graham fit into your book?
3: Billy Graham, I used him as an illustration. You know, I was his pastor during those years when I was at First Baptist Dallas where he kept his membership, and his son-in-law, Stefan Trevigian, was on my staff down in Fort Lauderdale for 12 years. So I've known and loved the Graham family and Mr. Graham for many years, and I used him as an illustration of how God used him because of that personal integrity. You know, but, Pat, you mentioned Billy Graham, but no one has lived a more lasting and uh, with a loving influence on this world than the Lord Jesus. And you talk about a VIP vision. He 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 took a few rough, callous handed basically illiterate fishermen from the Galilee, and gave them a vision to reach the whole world, not a few locals, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every, talk about a vision. No wonder people are influenced by it. Integrity, he preached the world's greatest sermons, practiced everything he preached, and purpose. He said, you know, my meat, the thing that sustains me is to do the will of him who sent me, while well, there's yet time. He, he was the greatest influencer of all, for sure.
2: Os, tell us about the epilogue to your book and the names you list.
3: Oh, you know, in the epilogue, I just I just listed many names of people in my life that that have influenced me and uh, the reason they did and how they did, and it's just a real personal uh, personal look at probably 20 or 30 people in my life that influenced me. You know, Pat, most of my life, I uh, things happened for me when I was young. I came to First Baptist Fort Lauderdale when I was 29, to 30 years, barely 30 years old. And things happened young for me uh, all my life, and I, I always tried to have – friends. I picked friends that were 20 years older that m- could mentor me, that had been through life, that knew things. And so I tell the story of a lot of them here in the epilogue and how they really influenced me with the hope that some of us will want to be an influencer like that and that someday someone somewhere will mention us as somebody that influenced their lives.
2: What do you remember about W.A.
3: Criswell? Well, you know, he was like a father to me. He was <clears throat> he was. He was so he was just phenomenal. He uh he took me under his wing when I was down in Fort Lauderdale. My wife Susie and I used to vacation every summer with him and Betty and then it was my great joy to come there and be he was my greatest asset and he was up in his 80s when I was there and retired, but he was my greatest asset and biggest supporter. I preached his funeral. He was he was probably the greatest man I've ever known. He he you talk about a secret life, a man who built his life in the secret place. It was W.A. Crystal, And he was so—he could have been anything. If he'd have been—if he'd have gone into law, he'd have been a Supreme Court justice. If he had gone into politics, he would have been a senator. If he'd have gone into business, he'd have run a Fortune 500 company. But God called him into ministry, and he built a worldwide ministry from First Baptist Church here in Dallas for God's glory.
2: What do you tell us about Jack Graham?
3: Well, you know, Jack was there the day I was saved, when I was 17. We were best buddies together and have been all through life. We preached together on the streets and the rescue missions, and we were teenagers in Fort Worth. And Both of us pastored in Oklahoma in the 70s for 15 years. I was down at Fort Lauderdale, and he was at West Palm Beach. And then in the early 90s, I came back to First Baptist Dallas, and he came to Prestonwood, Dallas. So for 50 years, our lives have been intertwined together. And uh, Jack is a person of impeccable integrity, best friend ever. Everybody needs a best friend like Jack Graham,
2: and I am interested. You listed Ken Cooper, OS.
3: Yeah, Ken's been my doctor for thirty-five years, and one of my close personal friends. And uh, Ken caught uh, Jack and I. Jack and I had prostate cancer six years ago, within one month of each other. Ken caught both of ours. But somebody said Jack and I were such close friends, we caught each other's diseases even. (laughs) But uh, but yeah, Ken. Ken is a You talk about a person of influence, there there are thousands upon thousands of people enjoying a healthier and longer life because of the influence of Ken Cooper, that's for sure.
2: OS, what have you learned about yourself and life uh, after you got news of cancer?
3: Well, you know, nothing I didn't already know, it just came into clear focus, Pat. You know, every day is a gift. I was thinking, sitting at my desk before I was talking to you. I was talking to someone else this morning, and we were talking about the fact that not just every day is a gift, but every breath is a gift from God to live life to the fullest and to, to know that, that life is short. It's a lot shorter than any of us think, and all that ultimately matters is not who we know or how high we climb in worldly circles, or how many worldly goods we accumulate, all that ultimately matters is what we do with the Lord Jesus Christ.
2: Who do you want to preach at your funeral, OS? Have you thought about that?
3: Oh, Jack Jack will preach my funeral if he's still around, but I'll probably outlive him. But but, uh, we'll do each other's, I'm Uh. sure. Somehow, some way.
2: Tell me about your wife and your family and where they fit into this discussion. Oh, thank
3: you. Susie, my wife, of 46 years, she's uh, she's chairman of a global relief board. She's all over the world. She was in Nepal uh, recently. She's on her way to Cuba in a week or two. She was down in some hospitals in Africa. They 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 serve in people in the far away forgotten places all over the world. She's a great Bible teacher, uh written some books herself. She's just been a, a tremendous pastor's wife and support and I, our daughter Wendy, she and her, she's a, she and her husband are both attorneys here in Dallas, active in their church and our younger daughter Holly has two new books out with uh Harper Collins, uh, Thomas Nelson, two children's devotional books, I Can Learn to Pray and I Can Learn the Bible. Hmm. Her husband's a minister at one of the on the ministry staff at Prestonwood, actually.
2: That's great. What a what a beautiful story.
3: Yeah, we're so blessed.
2: What's ne- what's next in the writing world for you, O S?
3: Well, you know, we've got these uh, uh, these devotionals that we're doing with Thomas Nelson. The Joshua Code, the Jesus Code, and the James Code are out, and Pat they've they've sold over six hundred thousand copies oh my. in the last two years. Uh, the mm. devotional books, and all those royalties go to Mission Dignity. So I can talk about it a little bit. But uh, we've got the Daniel Code coming out in November. I've got about three more of those devotionals in line, and then I'm uh, going to do a few more of these motivational books like uh, Influence. Going to do one on you know I don't know a bunch of different things
2: tell me this can everybody listening uh, be an influencer
3: absolutely absolutely but uh uh it'll take three things it'll take vision and integrity and purpose but yeah there's a sign an area of influence to every single one of these listeners
2: um i think um this may be your best book os well, thanks uh, i've read most of them and uh I'm I'm really pleased. So how does one become an influencer quickly, or does it take time? Can somebody wake up tomorrow morning and say, I'm going to be an influencer, I'm going to make a difference?
3: Yeah, you can definitely start the journey of doing that. And, of course, it takes a lifetime to be a person of uh, of influence, but the, only, the shortest journey begins with the first step. And, Pat, you mentioned this book, and I thank you for mentioning it. Uh, and uh, what the kind words you said about it's a great graduation gift actually jerry falwell jr has gotten purchased copies for every graduate of liberty university this spring so if someone's looking for a good graduation gift this vip book is a challenge to these uh, young graduates to spend their lives influencing others
2: isn't that beautiful well i'm so glad we could visit os take good care of yourself and uh Keep writing for us. You and,
3: and you know what? You're the epitome of everything I wrote in this book. You've certainly been a person of vision and integrity and purpose, and I don't know anybody doesn't love Pat Williams.
2: Well, thanks a million. You're awfully kind. And take good care of yourself. Thank you. O.S. Hawkins has been our guest. The book is called VIP. It's in bookstores now and uh, a very important read. Uh, we've got more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right after this. It's the new 94.9 FM and am 950 wtln
1: more of the pat williams power hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 fm and am 950 wtln you know you're not sleeping enough but what can you do more sleeping pills not look at your phone in bed let's be honest why don't you do something easy to get the good night's sleep you've been missing like get a fresh set of sheets from bowl branch hi i'm scott tannen My wife and I founded Bowlin Branch to make the most comfortable sheets you'll ever sleep on.
4: Luxury sheets can cost $1,000 in the store, but ours don't. They're only a couple hundred bucks because we've cut out the 800% retail markup by only selling directly to you online at bowlinbranch.com.
1: Everyone who tries Bowlin Branch sheets loves them. Even three U.S. presidents sleep on Bowlin Branch. Shipping is free and you can try them for 30 nights.
4: And if you don't love them, we'll give you a refund. No questions asked.
1: Give mom the gift of great sleep. Beautifully packaged in our signature boxes, complete with bows and tissue paper. Go to BowlinBranch.com today for 20% off your entire order when you use promo code MEDVED. That's 20% off right now at com, Spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com.
0: Promo code MEDVED. Blue Book Cars in Sanford has been the place where the people of Central Florida can go to find a clean, dependable, pre-owned car without breaking the bank. Owner Steve Lash reflects on the success that Blue Book Cars has had in serving the people of Central Florida.
2: Recently, as I walked across the lot at Blue Book Cars, I had a moment to reflect and think about all the great people I have met over the years. Our many, many fine customers... It made me realize how blessed we have been in so many ways. I asked myself, how is it that we have been able to serve the people of Central Florida for so long and with such great results? One of the reasons is that I encourage our salespeople to ask themselves three basic questions when working with a customer. One, am I a professional that's honest and fair? Two, can I treat each customer as if you are my pastor? And three, would the Lord approve of this deal?
0: Blue Book Cars is the Central Florida car dealer that customers can trust completely. Visit Blue Book Cars' huge dealership in Stanford or go to bluebookcars.com. Mention WTLN when you buy a car, and Blue Book Cars will donate $100 to your church or ministry. You're listening to the
1: Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950, WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: O.S. Hawkins, our guest, in that first half hour from Dallas, Texas, talking about his new book VIP. Todd Nettleton is with us. He's in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, Director of Media and Public Relations for The Voice of the Martyrs. And I'm so glad we can hook up Todd. Thanks for joining me.
6: Thank you. It's great to be with you.
2: Uh, What is your work about? What is The Voice of the Martyrs? Tell me about that.
6: Well, Voice of the Martyrs is a ministry to persecuted Christians around the world. Uh, Next year will be our 50th anniversary of doing this kind of work. Uh, and our founder, Pastor Richard Wormbrand, was himself a persecuted Christian. He was a pastor in communist Romania. Uh, He was arrested, ultimately spent a total of 14 years in prison. Uh, When he came out of Romania, he was actually ransomed out of the country. He came to the West and began to share his story uh, about being in prison, about being in the torture chamber, but about how faithful God was, and how even in prison, God gave opportunities to be a witness and to serve. And uh, Christians like you and me, we hear those stories, uh, and we say, okay, we know there are still Christians in those prisons. How do we help them? Voice of the Martyrs was founded to be the answer to that question, to be kind of a bridge between the Church here in America and the Church in hostile and restricted nations around the world.
2: Uh, Todd, I want you to explain something to me. I got your publishers, David C. Cook. Uh, they sent me two books, I Am N Devotional, I Am N Inspiring, Inspiring Stories of Christians Facing Islamic Extremists, uh, no author on either book, uh, very different look. Uh, can you explain these two books and what the mission is with them?
6: Well, I am in. uh, That letter, N, comes from the Arabic letter, Noon, which has been painted on the homes of Christians in the Middle East, uh, particularly by ISIS in the city of Mosul and some of the cities in Syria. Uh, As they have taken over those cities, they have painted on the homes and businesses of Christians that Arabic letter, Noon, which stands for Nasara or Nazarene, uh, that is a, a signifier that, hey, this home is was a Christian home, but it is no longer belongs to you. It is now the property of the Islamic State. Uh, that word, Nasara, is the word that the Quran uses for Christians, and the Islamic State has said, we do not want Christians in our part of the country, in the places that we control. Uh, they tell the Christians, hey, you should convert, you should become Muslims, or... Uh, you should pay us a, a very heavy tax called the jizya, or you should simply leave. And they have literally forced thousands of Christians from their homes across that region uh, but I am in, it is really a call for American Christians uh, to follow the example of our brothers and sisters in the Middle East. They have said, you know what, uh, I could renounce my faith in Christ and I could keep my business and keep my life as fairly normal, or I can hold on to my faith in Christ and be forced from my home and maybe even lose my life, but I'm not going to give up my faith in Christ. We're asking American Christians, read these stories, be inspired by their example, and make that commitment. You know what? No matter what it costs me, I am in. I'm going to follow Jesus, too, just like we see our brothers and sisters in the Islamic world.
2: If they decide to leave and keep their faith, where do they go?
6: Well that's one of the one of the real challenges for them. They go somewhere else and some of them are going into Turkey, some of them are going into Lebanon, uh, some of them are going into Kurdistan in the northern part of Iraq. Uh, in fact, I was in in northern Iraq in January visiting with some of these Christians and uh, hearing their stories. But when they get to those places, uh, typically they are in a displaced person camp or a refugee camp. There, There's not jobs. Uh, often there's not schools for their children. Sometimes there's not even food, or, or many of them are living in tents and uh, literally subsisting from day to day. So one of the things that Voice of the Martyrs has been able to do in, in since the fall of Mosul in the summer of 2014, uh, we've delivered more than $5 million worth of aid into that region of the world to help these Christians who have been displaced by ISIS.
2: How would you describe them? Just like us? I mean, are they regular uh, people that we would recognize and feel comfortable with?
6: They are. Uh, they're You know, just like we want a, a safe place for our kids to grow up, we want a good school, we want to have a, a job that enables us to support ourselves, uh, they are very similar to us in that sense. Um, I think that the level of their faith, the the way they identify themselves as Christians, I think any time you've gone through that sort of trial by fire of saying, okay, uh, how about if you become a Muslim and you just stay here and keep your job and keep your life, or you hang on to your faith, uh, you continue uh, to be an infidel, and then we have no place for you. You have to leave. I think when you go through that situation and you say, nope, My faith is so important to me that I'm going to hang on to it no matter what. I think it just produces a a little more depth and a little more uh, seriousness about your faith and about following Christ. Uh, And, you know, one of the things that we actually divided the stories in the book, I Am In, into themes and into categories that— the different characteristics that they show. One of the characteristics that I think is really a surprise is the characteristic of joy. Uh, and we meet these people, and I think in our minds we kind of picture, okay, I'm going to go over and I'm going to see these displaced people, and uh, they're going to be really depressed and downtrodden. I'm going to have to cheer them up. But then we go, and and they're joyful. They they really are excited about the faithfulness of God, excited about what He's doing, uh, and that's something that is always a surprise to me as I go and see them.
2: My guest is Todd Nettleton, Director of Media Public Relations for The Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, two books are out uh, with David Cook. I am N. And uh, I want you to t- explain to us a little bit more about ISIS. You know, we see it and we hear it every day. Uh, what, what's your take on the whole thing, Todd? What, what's your insight?
6: Well, you know, there is bad news and good news about ISIS. The bad news is they really are as bad as the news portrays. You know, they are coming in. They're motivated by a radical form of Sunni Islam They believe that they will dominate the world. Uh, They believe that they've created this caliphate that that everyone, every good Muslim should be a part of, should pledge allegiance to, and and come and join in. Uh, They believe that Christians aren't really worth having around. So they should either be killed, uh, they should be kidnapped, they should be sent away from their homes. Uh, So that's the bad news. But here's the good news. And when we were there in January, we met with an Iraqi pastor. And one of the things that he shared with us is how ISIS is opening the eyes of Muslims uh, to the the hope and uh, the blessing of following Jesus Christ. Because, you know, one of the things we hear in the media here in the United States is, well, you know, ISIS, they say they're Muslims, but they're actually not really Muslims. Uh, but to our friends in the Middle East, they know full well, yes, they are Muslims. Uh, they are Doing what the Quran tells them to do. They are actually imitating the Prophet Muhammad in the way they live, in the way they capture territory, in what they do with the people they have subjugated. Uh, so the Muslims are looking on at ISIS and they're saying, wait a minute, if that's Islam, and again, they know that what ISIS is doing is in the Quran, it is supported by the life of Muhammad. If that's Islam, I don't I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, that doesn't represent my heart. That's not what I want to do. That's not how I want to live. Uh, and so there is an openness to the gospel uh, that there hasn't been before. And it's happening among Muslims, Muslims are coming to Christ. One of the high points of our time in January when we were there was going to a baptism service uh, and seeing some former Muslims who have chosen to follow Christ. Take that step of baptism, and in that culture, in that context, that is basically painting a big target on their back, because in the Muslim mindset, that's kind of the point of no return. If, if you're reading a Bible or listening to a Christian radio broadcast, you can kind of say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of researching so I can argue with my Christian friends. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's okay, it's okay, I'm just doing this reading. Once you take that step of baptism, you're all in. Uh, And in the eyes of your Muslim family members, in the eyes of your Muslim neighbors, you're now an apostate. And what the Quran says should happen to apostates is they should be killed. Uh, And so seeing these former Muslims take that step of baptism, and I'll I'll never forget one of the young ladies who was baptized – uh, she absolutely glowed with excitement. Uh, she was so excited to be following Christ. She was so excited to be baptized that night. Uh, and just her faith and her spirit was overwhelming. It, it Literally, I, I the only comparison I can make is we talk about a bride who glows on her wedding day. Well, this young lady absolutely glowed on her baptism day, taking that step Uh, and that's not only happening in northern iraq that's happening across the muslim world we see muslims coming to christ
2: well so todd here here would be the dilemma The really the 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 muslim world the muslim religion islam it is a uh, aggressive warlike faith uh how do they deal with that i mean we're they're meant to be all of them are meant to be killers right according to the scriptures
6: well there there is certainly that aggressive strain of islam thankfully that's the minority of muslims uh, and mm-hmm. in fact it's a small minority there's uh, the average muslim wants a lot of the same things you and I want. They want a, a safe city. They want law and order. They want a place to raise their kids. Um, but there are those minority who buy into that radical theology. They they really read the Quran and they try to do what it says. Uh, and it says, like you say, it says, uh, subjugate your enemies. Uh, you know, we think of the Yazidi people that were uh, taken over and captured by ISIS. Many of the men were killed. Many of the women were taken as, as as brides for the fighters that's what the Quran says to do with subjugated people um so it is a challenge and there's there's the sort of military response of okay how do we fight them how do we bring safety to that region of the world how do we protect the christians who are there uh, but there's also the spiritual response of how do we reach them with the gospel? How do we get Bibles into their hands? How do we get Christian broadcasts that they can hear? Uh, and sometimes the, the the great challenge is that only happens when a Christian is willing to put their life on the line. Uh, and thankfully, many of the Christians that the Voice of the Martyrs works with in that part of the world they are that kind of christian they say hey god called us to love our enemies to pray for them to reach them with the gospel how are we going to do that uh, we're going to have to go to them we're going to have to be with them uh, they they mention you know the the verse about in the presence of my enemies well that verse implies that we're going to be right there with them uh, and so they say we'll take that step we'll reach out with the gospel even though it's risky even though it may cost us our lives we want to follow christ and and we love these people enough to tell them the truth
2: what are the other parts of the world todd that you're concerned about
6: well, there's about 60 countries where Christians are persecuted in some format, and the, the ones that we talk about in the book, I Am In, and again, it's it's the stories of Christians facing Islamic extremists, and, and as we watch the news, we certainly think about ISIS uh, as, as being a part of that, uh, but there are nine different radical Islamic groups that are currently persecuting Christians. We uh, think of Al-Shabaab in Kenya and Somalia, and Boko Haram in Nigeria, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. Egypt, the MILF in the Philippines, (sighs) al-Qaeda, the Taliban, the Sudanese regime in Sudan, uh, and then al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, uh, and Ansar al-Sharia in Libya and Algeria and Tunisia across North Africa. So, uh, like I say, we see on the news ISIS, we hear a lot about them, we don't hear about some of these other groups, uh, but they also are persecuting Christians, they also are motivated by that radical
2: Do you feel that the United States is doing everything they can to help? Are they doing the right thing? You know, it's
6: hard to say that they're doing everything. I think, particularly just in the last couple of months, we've had the designation that what's going on in the Middle East is a genocide. At that certainly was not something that VOM was necessarily pushing, uh, but it does in the political realm. It opens the door for more aid. uh, It opens the door for more people to be able to come here who are affected by that. Uh, But one of the challenges is we want to keep a Christian presence in the Middle East. I think there are many who say, wow, they're being treated so terribly over there. Let's bring them all here. Well, Uh, sure, that's great for their safety and their protection, uh, but it's bad in the long run to not have any sources of light in the Middle East, to not have any Christians there uh, who can be a witness and who can share Christ. Um, So... There's a great challenge in the government realm of, okay, how do we step into the situation? How do we provide protection? Uh, Thankfully, I don't have to make those decisions, uh, but we also want to be aware in the spiritual realm. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that as we follow Jesus Christ, we will be persecuted.
2: Todd Nettleton is our guest. More with Todd right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950
1: WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950
4: WTLN. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are, why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God? You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it is looking good important to you Then what you wear and how it looks on you means a lot let's face it whether you wear a suit uniform or dickies to work you probably spend a great deal on your clothes and you want to keep them looking good as new that's where priceless dry cleaners comes in you can trust the folks at priceless dry cleaners they've been keeping clothes like new in central florida for over 25 years and from the same location north orlando avenue in winter park across from trader joe's short on time let's face it who isn't family owned and operated priceless Priceless Dry Cleaners saves you time with free pickup and delivery from your home, shop, or office. If you want to keep your clothes looking newer, longer, then you need Priceless Dry Cleaners. 220 North Orlando Avenue, Winter Park, and in Altamont Springs at 851 State Road 436 in San Sebastian Square 2. Check out their business VIP club at PricelessCleaners.com, where groups with five or more members get 25% off dry cleaning. Priceless Dry Cleaners, because looking good and having a dry cleaner you know you can trust is important. Important to you.
0: Focus. You need it to run a business, so don't let legal questions distract you. Use LegalZoom instead. Things like lease agreements and employment laws get complicated, but they're part of running a business. That's why LegalZoom built a network of independent attorneys in 48 states. You can rely on them for the legal details without paying by the hour, since LegalZoom isn't a law firm. So focus on growing your business and use LegalZoom for the legal stuff. LegalZoom. Legal help is here.
1: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: My guest is Todd Nettleton. He's with The Voice of the Martyrs, based in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Uh, two books are out. Uh, I Am an Interest Inspiring Stories of Christians Facing Islamic Extremists. And, uh, Todd, you that book is broken down into six books Parts uh, with a word in front of each one. I'm going to start with part one sacrifice. Uh, what are the stories here about?
6: Well, the stories in that theme uh, obviously talk about Christians who are willing to sacrifice, Christians who are willing to give up their safety. Uh, give up their homes, uh, in some cases even give up their lives uh, in order to follow Jesus Christ in the face of Islamic extremism. And, uh, you know, one of the things that challenges us, I think, as American Christians is they're willing to make that sacrifice. Uh, When you talk to someone, particularly someone who's come to faith out of a Muslim background, uh, the fact that that they have to sacrifice is not a surprise to them. They know that from the day they come to faith in Christ, hey, this is going to cost me something. Uh, and these stories are are really inspiring us. What are we willing to sacrifice? What, what are we willing to give up in order to follow Christ?
2: Part two, uh, the word courage, Todd.
6: You know, courage is, uh, I, I like the definition of courage that is being afraid and, and doing it anyway. Uh, and, and that's really what we see our Christian brothers and sisters, except in some ways God takes away that fear. Or I think maybe their understanding of the heavenly realm versus the earthly realm is maybe greater than ours here in the United States. You know, they understand what's happening now is temporary. What's happening forever is eternity in heaven with Christ. So even if I am harmed here, that's a short-term pain compared to the eternity with Christ, and uh, the, the courage that they show is, is really inspiring.
2: And then the third word, and you, you touched on it earlier, uh, part three is called joy.
6: And again, this is one of the things that is so amazing to me, is the joy that we see in our persecuted family. Uh, They are smiling, they're laughing, they're singing, they're celebrating. Uh, It is not a a downtrodden, depressed form of Christianity. Uh, In fact, in many ways, I think they're more joyful than what I see at my church on Sunday, Uh, and I, I think we all need more of that.
2: And then the fourth word, uh, perseverance, part four.
6: Perseverance is, uh, you know, the ability to keep going when when hard times come. And if you think about uh, Christians in Iraq who were kicked out of their homes, and uh, yet they persevere in faith in Christ, they are in displaced person camps, they are persevering. They're continuing to serve. Uh, That's the quality, and again, it's something we can learn and we can draw on in our own walk with
2: Christ. And now, Todd, we get to the fifth word, forgiveness.
6: You know, I think the best way to to share about this is to share one of the stories from the book, and it's the story uh, of Shemsa Aydin and Susanna Geske, Uh, Their husbands were martyred in Turkey nine years ago. In fact, I I went to Turkey seven weeks after the killings, uh, met with both of these ladies. They offered on national television in Turkey, the day after the killings, they offered forgiveness to the five men who had killed their husbands. Uh, This is just an absolutely earth-shattering thing in that Islamic culture where vengeance is such a part of the culture. But they literally, Susanna, echoed the words of Christ on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they did not know what they were doing. Uh, And that little statement and that press conference where they offered that forgiveness, again, just a day after their husbands were killed, a Muslim journalist in a Turkish newspaper wrote that those two ladies, by that act of forgiveness, did more for Christianity in Turkey than a thousand missionaries could have done in a thousand years simply by forgiving their persecutors. Uh, Lord, help us, as we read these stories, help us to be inspired to forgive the people who have wronged us, because that really is an open door for God to move out and work blessing into a situation that otherwise would be incredibly difficult.
2: And then number six, faithfulness
6: you know, faithfulness is is somewhat a combination of all of these. It is courage. It is joy. It is perseverance. It's the ability to say, I'm going to continue to follow Christ no matter what. Uh, and these brothers and sisters, uh, I think of one that I met in Nigeria, a man named Pastor John, his entire family was killed. Uh, they, they were locked into a home. The home was lit on fire, and they were burned to death. Uh, and yet he said, If I saw the men who killed my family, uh, I would want to witness to them. I would want to share with them the love of Christ. And uh, what an incredible example of faithfulness to continue to joyfully, faithfully follow Christ in spite of that kind of loss. That's the faithfulness of our brothers and sisters around the world.
2: Do you find that other sects uh, are are, um, trying to get into these countries? Mormonism, for example, and Seventh day Adventists. And, uh, you know, there are some. What's going on there?
6: There are some that are. Uh, typically, the price is very high <laughs> to, to, to do ministry, to do work in these countries, to bring an outside, what is considered to be an outside religion. Uh, typically, the price is too high for some of those to want to go there. Uh, but again, that's the price that Christ called us to pay.
2: My guest is Todd Nettleton. When you travel, Todd, and just listening to you here, uh, boy, it seems like you're hitting a lot of these countries. Uh, how do you feel when you get there? Are you nervous, uncomfortable? What's it like? Um,
6: you know, there there are times of nervousness. <laughs> I uh, I think of being in Iraq several years ago, and, and we were stopped at a checkpoint. It was me and one of my coworkers, and we were with uh, an Iraqi Christian family, uh, and they asked for everybody's ID, and so we handed our passports, and as soon as the guy saw American passports, uh, his eyes kind of got a little wider, and he said, okay, you two Americans, you come with me, and we had to get out of the van and, and walk, follow him, and I thought, oh, no, this is, uh, this is just not going to end well, uh, but it turned out uh, he was a Kurdish soldier, and his commander wanted to meet us because, hey, he loves Americans, we love America, we just want to say how, how welcome you are in our country, and I thought, Whew, I uh, I wish you would have just told us that while we were sitting in the van. <laughs> so there are moments of, of nervousness, yes, but the overwhelming thing that I experience is the fellowship with the believers who are there. And it's amazing how uh, I will meet believers who, who look nothing like me. Uh, they don't speak my language, but there is that connection point of, hey, I'm following Jesus, and you're following Jesus. And somehow the Holy Spirit just sort of ministers to us and binds us together. Uh, and that, that is my very favorite part of my work here at Voice of the Martyrs, is to get to go and meet those brothers and sisters and drink tea with them and hear their stories, because I always come away encouraged and challenged by their example.
2: I did want to ask you that question. Uh, do the people over in the Middle East like us?
6: You know, there are many who do, and uh, particularly the Christians that I am typically meeting with, they are they do like us. They do like Americans. They do like Christians. Uh, There are obviously those who hate America. uh, And in in some of those countries, unfortunately, they're the people who are in charge. Uh, But oftentimes, and I personally have not visited Iran, but I have talked to many who have, and, uh, and they will talk about the fact, you know, the Iranian government says all sorts of terrible things about America. But if you walk down the street in Iran and you're an American, they will roll out the red carpet and welcome you, and they want to practice English. They want to talk about how much they love America. So the average man on the street typically does not hate America, even if you might see that on the news or you might hear that from the government.
2: Do they get our television shows and listen to our music and all of the above? Do they follow our sports teams? I don't know
6: about sports teams but they certainly do follow movies and television and music and in some ways that's uh, that's one of the challenges for us as Christians because in the uh, in the eyes of the average person in the Middle East uh, America is a Christian nation and so whatever they see from America that's that's what they assume Christians are that's what they assume Christians do and so uh, that's in some ways gives us as Christians a bad name uh, but they certainly do have access to American media, and like I say, they, they listen to the music, uh, they watch the movies, they watch some of the television shows, and, and uh, that's their picture of America, which, uh, you know, as we think about some of our television, that's a, a little bit of a daunting thing for us.
2: Todd Nettleton has been our guest, <clears throat> Director of Media and Public Relations for The Voice of the Martyrs, and uh, author of I Am N. Uh, these are the stories that we've been talking about. Uh, we've got to wrap up, folks, right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24 7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace, Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 530 Sunday on the new 94.9 Nine FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat.
2: Folks, thanks so much for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. O.S. Hawkins was our guest in the first half hour, uh, talking about his book VIP. And then Todd Nettleton joined us from Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Uh, the author and the coordinator of that book, I Am and Two very, very interesting guests, and I'm so glad you could join us. Please visit my website. It's uh, patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And my most recent book is out. It's called Leadership Excellence, The Seven Keys to Being a Leader of Excellence. It's in bookstores and, of course, amazon.com. Always a great way to, to order books. In the meantime, have a wonderful day in church tomorrow with your family and a very, very good week ahead. And then we're back for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour with Alan Dempsey doing all the engineering on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.
1: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason, the new 94.9 FM and AM 950,
0: WTLN.